welcome, 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 family. Welcome back to Let's Speak It Out Loud. I am your host, Goddess Candace the Alicorn, and this is Let's Speak It Out Loud for the copper-colored tribes of higher vibrations, having insightful conversations. Welcome, 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 y'all. I hope everybody is doing very well today, this evening, this morning, this afternoon, whatever time you happen to come across this podcast. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Soul Tribe, I know I've been away for a minute, but uh, <clears throat> sometimes you just have to talk to yourself. <laughs> you know how it is. Had to get things together in my mindset. And get back to me, because you know all the distractions that were going on in the world, and it would make you speak on those things, but now it's time to get back to our mission and what we are doing and how we're going to succeed. So I love you all for joining in today, and if this is your first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you are a part of the Soul Tribe and have been here before, what's up, y'all? And for the new people, this podcast is not for everyone. So if I happen to say something that offends you, sorry. <laughs> there are other podcasts out there. Trust me. So Soul Tribe, I want to thank you all for being here, like I said. And I want to thank all the listeners that I am receiving from all over the world. Copper-colored people are hollering out from all over the world, y'all. Do you know I got listeners now in Ethiopia? Soul Tribe, we got Soul Tribe family in Ethiopia. It's a trip to me when I look at the statistics and see where people are listening. I appreciate y'all. I appreciate every single person who stops here and listens to this podcast. I want to let you know, my purpose is to uplift you. If you're feeling down today, I want to lift you up, but I'm going to tell you some truth. And sometimes truth hurts because we're about healing here. Me, I'm trying to heal myself and that's why I'm speaking it out loud. So I want to thank you all. I want to thank you for seeing me. I appreciate you. And I just got to let you know that. And I want to thank all of you who've donated to the podcast so far. Man, all your amazing love and support keeps me going. And it keeps this journey ever evolving all the time. Okay? So you need to know that too. And if you would like to donate to this podcast journey and this healing cycle that I'm trying to get the world to see, by being truthful and transparent through me, all the information is listed below, okay? All right, family. So, I want us to have a conversation today about some things that crossed my mind. Um, so, try. Today, I want to talk about something that we act like does not exist in our community. But I believe, remember this is my opinion, I believe this is one of the main dysfunctions that we have as a community and as a people. That we have internalized. We've internalized it so deeply through through the guise of just supremacy. 
we've internalized this so innately that no one has to do it to us. It's just innately done. We do it to ourselves, thinking we're making something better for the next generation. And that thing, y'all, I'm talking about is colorism. Ooh, colorism. Now, we know the stories of colorism and we hit words in our community we don't say colorism that's something that the, the european squatter says when they're speaking on our narrative we say color struck it's all a distraction y'all you know when we speak on color struck in our community we always speak about how light-skinned or fair-skinned people think they better than darker people and they have it you know how darker people have it harder in society and how, you know, light-skinned people have it easy and they got good hair and dark-skinned people, they ugly and they look like monkeys, you old African booty scratcher and all this old bullshit. Come on, y'all. Come on. Let's talk about this. Now, that's true and that's false. You hear me? you like, no, that is true. Dark people get treated worse than light-skinned people. Yeah, but who's doing it? Let's talk about that, y'all. Let's bring this point across. Who's doing it? We have so innately put that inside of ourselves and learned that through the internalized supremacy. And it's time to speak out loud about it. You know, let's, let's get into this. Because... We all go through it because it doesn't matter in this country if you're light-skinned or purple. You're still a nigga. You still are labeled as black. And what does black mean? It means nothing, non-existent. Everything bad that they write in their books is black. Black hole, black plague, you know. <laughs> all, everything is black. Black flag kills roaches. Everything black is bad. And once again, I told you, black nor white is a race. It's a status within this country. So let's talk about it, y'all. Why, why are we so fixed on colorism but act like we're not? That's the thing. We act like we're not until we're around our kind, which I mean is different shades or whatever. But in our community, you know good and damn well, in households, we say things and we do things to each other because white is right. Light is bright. It's the best. It's the closest thing to this God image they've created of us. Everything in society that's great is white, even your Jesus. Yep, I said it. And we can say, no, no, Jesus was black, had hair like wool, bronze feet. Just, I got all that. That ain't what I'm talking about. That's a different conversation. <laughs> we can get into that later on in a few other podcasts because I can go deep on that too. However, I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about what divides us as a people. I mean, you have to understand that sexism and misogyny, that comes with that color and skin and not just skin color. You know, all of that was a tool that was used for, you know, 
the European squatters who came to these already occupied lands of Turtle Island, now known as the Americas, to maintain first economic control and social control. I'm going to say that again. Sexism and misogyny, as well as colorism as they call it, because they spread colorism around the world. It's not just here in America, but I'm talking about us, y'all. The people they call black, the so-called black community, the only people they talk to when it's time to vote. Okay? I'm talking to us, all right? Now, like I said, the color in skin, not just skin color, it was a tool, you know, that the Europeans used when they came and had this plan that they're going to take economic control and social control. They had to have social control to maintain economic control. I'm going to need you to wake up, and we're going to talk about the social control factors of colorism. They created the one-drop rule. That means that even a distant relative in your lineage, any distant relative in your lineage, that person was black. Or at least you definitely were not white, Okay. It became a way to define people because black and white is a status in this country. I'm going to say that to y'all to my last breath. It's a status. It is not a race. It is a status structure. It is not a race. Neither of them are. You know, it's a country within itself. It's a whole mindset within itself. And that one drop rule created a way to separate classes. Because I can promise you, none of us came here saying, we want to look this way, we want to look that way. You didn't choose that. You know? Well, different conversation. Kind of did. That's a higher spiritual level, but... Because you choose your parents <laughs> for certain attributes. But anyway, that one-drop rule, we're talking about control, economic and social control, and what's tearing us apart more than anything. And I'm going to get to that point on that. It definitely let you know it was a way to define you and that you are not white. So today, it's created like an ignorance and a hatred for self within our community. You know, people in our community are shamed because they're not the other. Think about it. You have not only the whole thing of colorism where darker people and darker family members and people using bleaching cream, societies, put that bleaching cream on. You don't want to be out in the sun too long. You don't want to get too dark. And then when you are extremely beautifully dark, you, uh, you need to put a hat on. You already black enough. This and that. Okay? That's one side of the coin. Because I've seen that. Okay? I'm not a darker skinned sister. I'm a fair skinned sister with curly hair. Who came from a black mother and a black father. But because my skin was lighter. It definitely made a difference in how I was treated. Within the communities. Okay, understand all of us are treated a certain way within a quote-unquote white community. 
white communities of racists see us all as niggers and niggrets and them and them dirty them criminals that's how they see us and sometimes we begin to see us that way because it's so institutionalized and ingrained into our mindset we have a hatred for ourselves and it's showing up in our communities it's a hatred of yourself you ha- if you're dark you have a hatred of yourself that you're not light and if you're light you got a hatred of yourself that you're not dark and I'm not saying everybody because some people are very well rounded who had the support system and the support team to let them know that they were beautiful and to let them know that what you look like society is going to tell you it's not worthy but God deemed you worthy the most high blessed you with that beauty no matter what anyone says about you there are people who've had that support system. You know, when we speak truth to each other, we heal our inner traumas, y'all. You know, adults often think that they're doing justice with us by saying the things they've said. Don't be in that sun too long. You know, but I can only tell you my story. What made me start talking and thinking about this was... I watched on Netflix last night, like 4 o'clock in the morning. I usually go and watch documentaries, but I hadn't watched it in a while. i just been, I'm telling y'all, I've been talking to myself. I ain't been watching nothing, doing nothing. I've been thinking and talking to the most high. That's what I've been doing. I don't know what you've been doing, but that's what I've been doing and, and doing my thing. You know, and honing my craft and minding my business. So I decided to watch this. Viola Davis was on Netflix with Oprah Winfrey. Some of y'all may have seen it. You know, and this is the thing about Viola Davis. From the first moment I saw her, I thought she was the most beautiful thing on this planet. Because for me, the image of beauty to me all my life was my mother. Let me tell y'all something. I started thinking about this when I was watching Viola Davis. Because every time I saw Viola, from the first time I saw her, I said, that's a beautiful chocolate, chocolate woman. And then my desires and my childhood insecurities came back. I was me always wishing that I was dark like my mother and my mother's side of the family. Because I'm going to give you a little history. Like I said, I'm fair-skinned with curly hair. Got a black mom and a black daddy. However, my father's side of the family is lighter. So my mother's darker. My brothers are darker. And then me being the third child, born in 1970, I come out this bright little curly head, little Afro girl. Okay? And as I've become older, I've started to have conversations with my mother as I'm on this journey of healing myself of the self-hatred of the way I was treated for not being dark enough through school, through society through my own insecurities because everything beautiful that I saw was beautiful brown and chocolate like my mama and my aunties and my uncles and my grandma. However, my grandmother, who passed away at 107 a few years ago, has always taught me that we are not African. We're indigenous aboriginals and we were always here. And she would tell me things about when they would change their 
name from the tribal names to colored, to black, to African-American, and we were none of that. So I had strong, beautiful, chocolate women who were the epitome of beauty to me in my life. And I always had an insecurity about that. Because it was always very noticeable. When I look at my childhood pictures now when we had Christmas and my cousins, my cousin Glow, my cousin Jan, and my brothers, and, you know, all of them, we'd be at someone's house on Christmas Eve, and I'd be sticking out like a goddamn sheet. You know? Because people always made reference. Now, not my family. My This is the thing, though. My family never made reference to my color. I'm going to say that again. And I asked my mother, I asked her, did people say things to her? You know, she said, people said things to me, but they didn't. I wouldn't allow them to say things to you. You know, and then my mother and I, we talked about stories how she was out one day, I think she said she was in a grocery store, and this well-to-do white woman walked up to her and said, oh, is her daddy white? <laughs> and my mama went off. She said, no, her daddy's black, just like my black ass. And she said the white woman was offended. But the joy in her voice to say to this beautiful chocolate queen goddess mother of mine, is her daddy white? No, we come in all shapes, sizes, and colors. But let me tell you something, that colorism and that one-drop rule. <laughs> I came out of a black mother. You come out of a black mother, they're going to classify you as black. The reason they start pencil whipping and changing things into mulatto and things like that when the Europeans were forcibly taking us and mixing with us and, you know, everything was enforced. You know, they were quite cunning. Some of them were quite charming in an era of disarray to the world of our people. You know, slick and cunning still, if you have a black father, then, hmm, okay. Then you are 100% black. If you have a black father and a white mother, they consider you to be white, okay? But if you have a black mother and a white father, then you're still black and you're still my property of my farm, my plantation, wherever you work. You're still my indentured servant. You understand? Colorism is all about economic power. That's the point I'm trying to make to you. And we're so indoctrinated into self-hatred. I never wanted to be light-skinned and curly hair and people, ooh, ah, in my less evolved days, I was a manager for this loan company. And this girl came into my office and wanted to get a loan. And I was about to give it to her. And she said to me, is you half white? I said, excuse me? No, ma'am, I am not. She said, well, that's a compliment, ain't it? Hmm, I wish I was half white, had good hair like you. You know, I didn't give her a loan. I didn't. Because I got pissed off. Because my own internal hurt and my own internal pain of the colorism that I had experienced all my life that said to me, I'm not exactly who I am. I'm not a part of a people. And my heritage doesn't matter. And the only part that matters of me is if 
I'm white. But let me tell y'all something that y'all need to understand. Curly hair and fair skin does not come from also a mixture of European. You have to study who you are and where we come from. That doesn't necessarily mean that you are mixed with a European. <laughs> That's the mental conditioning of making you think that you are African and all black people are nappy head and this and that and that and this and all the negative connotations and narratives that have been said about us and put into us that we perpetuate onto ourselves. I never owned a Caucasian baby doll in my life. Never. My grandfather, Roland Carroll, made sure, always, every Christmas, when they used to sell them at Woolworth, they would put them on the top shelf. I had a tall baby doll. It was important to us at one point in time for our children to see representations of themselves. Regardless of what the world said to you, once again, let me say to you, my family never made me feel any kind of way about looking different because eight years later, I had a little sister, my mom and dad, and my sister's fair-skinned as well. Different hair than what I have, you know, but she's still fair-skinned within the family of four children. And I don't know how my sister feels about this. I would have to talk to her about that, but I do know the pain and the suffering I went through. And then when I graduated from high school in 1988 and moved to Houston, Texas, the first thing that was said to me was, is you one of them Louisiana girls because you got that good hair and you light skin. Yeah, I like me a red bone and a yellow hammer. Those words would make me fight. People always come at you because you have a fairer skin. I want light, bright, almost white, but I don't want no white woman. Bitch, don't nobody want you. Understand me, sisters. We all have had our plight. Brothers, we all have had our plight with colorism. And what I need y'all to understand is we are one in their eyes because we will never be white. Isn't that what that white man said when he chased them people down the other day at the store? You'll never be white. They mind their own business. He chased the sheriff down with his son and lied and said he was a, a, a retired sheriff. He'd never been a police officer. Chased the man down because he let somebody turn in front of him. A black pastor and his son and he's on the police department. Ain't that some shit and just some average ass Joe White man? You'll never be white. Bitch, ain't nobody saying nothing about that. So I need us to understand that we are one in their eyes. Why are we killing each other? Because we still hate ourselves. We don't see ourselves in each other. Colorism has stopped that. Then you got to be, I don't like dating black women. Or I don't like dating black men. Well, guys, boss up, bitch. You got to rise up. Our community will never have anything if we can't come to terms with first the colorism. How we judge each other for skin tone. You know, when Viola Davis was talking to Oprah Winfrey about her new book. It's called um, Finding Me. Finding Me. 
Her book is called Finding Me, and it was so amazing. You know, she talked about her life at elementary school, you know, and she talked about just a lot of things. But for y'all who don't know who Viola Davis is, you must be living under a rock, but you need to look her up. She's the first so-called African-American actress to win the Triple Crown of Acting, Academy Awards, a primetime, you know, Emmy Award, and two Tonys, which for me, I'm not surprised because that melanin gives her a superpower. Melanin gives her a superpower in my mind. Like I said, from the first moment I saw her, I said, oh my God, what an amazingly beautiful sister. You know? And so I, I bring it back around to here because you should get her book, Finding Me. Like I say, she was born in St. Matthew, South Carolina in 1965. You know, her parents, they moved to Central Falls, Rhode Island, talking about, you know, during those migration times when people were leaving the South and and moving up North for better. And then when you got up North, she talked about it being in elementary school, how she would wait for the clock to strike and the bell to ring so she'd be the first one out the door out of school to run because... You know, the white boys would chase her every day and say the most vile and horrific things to her. You know? Just the nastiest things. And she said they would just call her black nigger and saying she was nothing and throwing all kinds of things as they chased her until she stood up to them one day. And she never had to face them again after she took a, a neaten, a, 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 what you call it, a... One of those knitting needles to school. <laughs> you got to read the book. But just the thought of that, being a young elementary school child, having to run home every day because people are telling you you're vile, you're nasty, you're this, you're that. And we project those things. And she said to herself she had always been told she was nothing. But she, in her book, Finding Me, she had to deal with the fact of, Did I believe that or do I believe that what I am is what God gave me to be and so that must be something special, you know? And then she began to talk with Oprah about the educators in her life who saw her. You know, do you remember the first person who saw you? You know, do you remember that? I remember the first person who saw me and it was an educator. You know, educators especially in our communities and our black teachers from the times when we grew up. They actually cared because they would take you home and feed you. They would come by your house and talk to your mama and see if y'all needed anything and see what was going on, you know? I remember I had a few teachers that I I felt that saw me, but the first teacher I, I felt that saw me was Mrs. Mamie Moore, my English teacher, her name is Mrs. Mamie Bayon. By now, she was remarried. Her husband had passed away, and she remarried. And Mrs. Moore, sorry, Bayon. I'm still going to say Mrs. Moore, but Mrs. Moore touched me more than any teacher had ever touched me. And it wasn't anything that she did. She just talked to me like a human being and talked to me about things on her level. And... When I graduated from high school, she told me I helped her see her daughter because she helped me see me. 
that I was okay perfectly the way that I was and how I thought and how I felt and how I was growing and how I was developing. You know, she let me know when I was right and she let me know when I was wrong or she thought that maybe I should think at it from a different perspective. Guys, we have to stop teaching our children that, yeah, I'm going to marry me a light-skinned girl so I can get a baby with good hair. If your hair grows, it's good. You know, when Viola Davis talked about how she had to heal herself because of all the past trauma that she had been through, I started to think about, well, why are we experiencing so much of this trauma? I mean, why would a people put so much trauma on a people that they will internalize it for themselves? What is your motive? And like I said, it's social and economic control. When you're taking over an area or you're wanting to be the new leader or the new boss, you have to get social control and you got to get control of whatever finances or whatever you're trying to control on that level. I'm looking at it from a management perspective. So if you take over a new office, you definitely have to get social control. And the economic control is to get them to work harder, to get them to want to work for you. You know, that social control leads to economic control because they'll do whatever. If you if you touch them socially, they'll do everything for you, which will be economic growth. So understand, social control is about teaching society to, to believe simply what you tell them. It's all about teaching society to believe what you tell them about everything and everyone without question. It's pitting everything against everybody, making everybody believe that everybody should be judged by the same system. It's scare tactics, y'all. It's the news, the movies, the schools, the laws. You know, pitting everything and everybody against everyone and everything. In the news, they'll rake you, they show you. You know, subliminally, you, on newscasts, you see a lighter news agent, if there's a black one. In movies, the starring roles. That's why I'm like, what the hell is wrong? Viola Davis should have been in every movie. Because why? Not because she brown, 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 or because she light, light, light. Because she's the best motherfucking actress I have seen in a very long time. You better tell it like it is. Go on, Viola. Hmm. And the social control of making you believe that you can only be if I allow you to be or if I find favor in you it, it, it plays on the psyche you know it starts in the schools my first experience I told y'all before in a previous podcast of colorism was in pre-k at Parkland in Flint which no longer exists little girl pushed me down punched me in the stomach and put soap in my eye and my hair and the teacher saw her and said, why did you do that? She said, because I don't like her. Because she thinks she better than me because she got good hair. I didn't even know what the hell good hair was. So we all go through it. Trust me. The most negative and nasty things you can say to the darkest person on the planet. And the darkest person in our community. It's the equally nastiest and vile things they can say. To that light, bright, almost white, but you ain't white, black person. And let me tell you something. Now, my father's side of family, I told you, they're fair-skinned. 
But what, let me tell you what I was taught on that side. And I'm going to tell you in the words of my grandmother. Nobody asked for this damn color. Didn't nobody ask them to touch us? Huh. That's how I was raised on that side. And then I was also taught, like people are learning now about Black Wall Street and this and that. The very first Black Wall Street was in Durham, North Carolina. My family's from North Carolina. Both sides. My father's side, we were not slaves. We owned stock on mercantiles. We were in the Black Stock Exchange. We owned companies. Now, was that more advantageous for us because we were fairer skinned? No. Why? Because my great-grandfather was still a nigga to them. That uppity nigga. Well, you made him look this way. So he's an uppity nigga. He was smart. He was educated. My grandmother and all of them went to all-black schools. They're educators. Because there was no integration, which, you know... That ruined our whole communities because we had black doctors, black teachers, black lawyers, black economic structures, black economic systems. We had more than one black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma, y'all, that they burned down. Do you know what used to be in Central Park? It used to be an all-black town, flourishing. And when they tore it down and destroyed it, they made it a park so it could never, ever go to the airs again. Y'all better check your history and understand something. The longer we stay in colorism and stay in self-hatred, the longer we cannot flourish and we can't heal. We got to tell ourselves the truths about when we were hurt as that six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old little black child in America, as they, since they want to call us black. That little nothingless child when someone made you feel like your color made you nothing. And we've all experienced it and don't act like you have not. Even if you are biracial and you have a white mom and a black dad and you grew up in an all-white society, those white kids let you know you were fucking different. I have biracial nieces, you know. I have biracial people in my family. Y'all go through it too. Some ignore. I can't ignore shit. You're not just going to dog me and me not say nothing. That's why pitting everything and everyone against everyone and everything. That's why the outside of the box thinkers and the truth speakers and those who teach us to stand up and love ourselves, love the skin we in, those who defend right and speak up against the wrongs have the worst time. Society, the society police will come after your ass on autopilot. On autopilot. That's why we have the worst time. Because of colorism. You know, one movie I recommend that y'all see is a 1995 movie called White Man's Burden, if you hadn't seen it. Harry Belafonte was in it and John Travolta. You know, it's about racism. It's set like in an alternate America or social and economic positives of black people versus white people. Those roles are reversed. So the social economic positives that white people enjoy today, white privilege, all this and that, all the stuff they claim they don't know shit about, everything in America, the way it is now, it was flipped. Black people were in control. 
we owned all the businesses and the corporations and we owned all the companies and we owned all the best neighborhoods and we didn't live in the projects and in the ghetto. The other race did. The other people, the white people, they were the second class. When you watch that movie, <laughs> it's called White Man's Burden. That is the biggest fear in this country. That we will treat them like they treated us. But first of all, that don't even matter. Because we got to stop treating ourselves the way they taught us to treat us. Instead of the way we know to treat each other. You know, I know some of us have such an innate hatred for ourselves because we're not like someone else. Well, you weren't made to be like someone else. I need you to understand that. Soul tribe. You weren't made to be like someone else. And the only attribute that you really need that will help you is courage. Because courage will make you get up and move in any direction. Okay? Courage will make you get up. You know, fear? Fear will hold you still. But courage is actually a part of fear. Courage is the fear of not being what you fear. So, courage makes you move in fear sometimes. If you understand that. You know, economic control in this country, y'all, it's really about... It's really what it's all about. Just the economic control. About my people. Believe it or not. We are the economy. I'm going to say that again. It's really about just economic control. And believe it or not, y'all, we are the only economy in this country. And we're the only economy that has ever been in this country since the European came here and began to colonize. You know? We're the labor. So if I have social control... I can have economic control because through social control, you're going to believe the things I say. I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice gal. We can get along. Let's sign some treaties. But then you become the workforce, the economic control. I believe them. You know, Mr. Johnson and the British, they came over here and they're going to give us some good jobs. We don't need their shit. They came cunning, social. See, social control is always first, not economic control because you can't get the money until you get the minds. That's why it's called social media. Get the minds. We spend so much time on social media, TikToking and this and that and looking and, and liking and sharing and but we're not sharing anything of substance. And when there's someone who's sharing something of substance, the social police come out. And then you go to social media jail. Because you're spreading misinformation. So they say, with no evidence of any of that. So, understand, guys, we make less money per capita than any other people here in this country. But we spend the most money on the products that we just have to have that have no value at all. Real talk. Real talk. We spend so much money on shit that don't even have no value. Buying shit, I gotta have that. Oh, my baby gotta have that. I gotta have that. I gotta have that. And if I hurt your feelings, y'all, some of y'all say, I'm, I like nice things. I'm not saying you can't have nice things. But some of us, we killing people 
for Versace and Gucci and shit, breaking in the stores to have name brand and live with our mama. Don't have no car. Don't own a damn thing, but you look good though, huh? Look, look, look. That's all about the colorism as well. Everything is about looks. How do you look? You look like a damn fool. And if I just hurt some of y'all feelings, once again, sorry. <laughs> However, y'all, the wealthiest people on this planet, they dress in blue jeans, raggedy shoes, and t-shirts. Driving average cars. Yup. Yup, look at them. They might throw on a little sweater. But they got on, some of them got on flip-flops. But you're not professional if you go into, say for instance, a if you work at a car dealership and you don't have a tie on or if you work for this company and you don't wear uh, professional attire or business attire, but billionaires who own things, who own that exact same company, they walk around in their boxer shorts and, and tennis hats and shit and polo shorts. Wake up, y'all. Realize we are, we and our children, we're, a, we're the commodity. I need you to understand, we're the commodity. Look at this food shortage and all this and that, and, and everybody's running out of food. But when we talk to each other, like I'm talking to you now, like growing our own food, ain't nobody doing no shit like that. I'm waiting for my food stamps to come. Listen, as much money as we blow, everybody could have a garden in their yard. And we can be lifting up our community and loving each other, but we too busy wondering what that damn fool over there doing. You know, or he think he all that. That's our problem. He think he all that. She sh she thinks she all that. Why do we always think somebody think they all that? Like I told y'all before, no, you think they all that. Listen, this is why we must move past these pains, y'all. And colorism is a deep-rooted one. You know, colorism makes men beat women and makes women kill their baby fathers. You know, colorism makes people do all kinds of things. Colorism makes people leave their babies at an orphanage or at a fire station. Real talk, y'all. This shit is still happening here within our community. I ain't talking about nobody else. I'm talking about here. Colorism, you know, will get you adopted out of a family. And we have to understand that we have to embrace us. Listen, Soul Tribe, we know what's right. We know what's wrong. And we have to delve into that child where we first felt that colorism and heal that person. That's the main way we will elevate and succeed and go to other levels and stop hating us for our differences. Stop hating people. I'm talking about us. Now, I don't care about other people. Y'all can do, do what you feel. When I'm talking, I'm talking about us as a copper-colored community. And I'm sick of us saying, why can't black people do stuff together? Because we've been taught to be jealous of each other. And the biggest thing a lot of people are jealous of is color. Real talk. Come on now. Come on now. If I'm lying, I'm flying. And I do fly because I have wings because I'm an alicorn. But I fly because I'm a light worker and I'm spreading light and sprinkles and thought processes and heightened conversations to your mindset. 
Okay, these are the things we don't want to talk about. And that's what this podcast is about. Things that we lie to ourselves about. And my people, we lie so goddamn much to ourselves. That's why they treat us like we dumb as fuck. And only want to talk to us and act like they're going to do something for the communities. When it's time for an election. And what does that actually mean? You know, taxation without representation, I thought, was illegal. So you put people up there who look like us, but they don't sound like us. They don't care about us. They don't think about us. But you just put them up there because they look like, well, who else am I going to vote for? Listen, and y'all can say what you want. God, I've heard people have died for the right to vote. And people, no, people died once again because they was fucking with us. It's about this land. And if I can keep you as confused as I can and make y'all never come together, because colorism is one of the things that we just, for some reason, can't get past. Because in your mental condition, you think light is right, and white folks' ice is colder than black folks' ice. So you think light skin is this and dark skin is that. Let me tell you something. I don't know how many other people, they always ask white people, how many of you would trade places with black people? And nobody raises their hand when they say, when they ask them first the question about race. Is there still racism in the country? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, would you trade places with a black person? No one raises their hand. But I can tell you, in our community, I've heard so much in my life. I wish I was light-skinned like you. I wish I looked like you. I wish I had hair. Girl, you can't. I had dreads down my back. And do you know so many of our people said to me, girl, you can't get no dreads. You got that good hair. If your hair grows, it's good. If your hair doesn't grow, it's bad. Okay? That's always been my motto. And it's pressure. Because for me, all those people who wanted to be what they thought was a, 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 a beautiful way to be because they couldn't love themselves I felt completely the opposite because I thought my mother and I still do is the epitome of beauty my mother and her sisters are the epitome of beauty and my cousins oh my god I love that melanin and in the summertime I'm laying out there longing to damn white people trying to get purple (laughs) and that's real talk Because I can't be nothing but truthful and transparent for y'all. Because me, I'm working on healing that inner child with inside myself. So I talked to my parents about their journey. Because it wasn't easy for my mother having a fair-skinned child. Some of y'all nasty. Your grandparents and your parents was nasty. I seen some of y'all be very nasty to my mother. Because of who she was and who her fat... Oh, she thinks she all that because she got that high-yell-ass daughter. That old fat-ass, high-yell-ass daughter. I heard those things. These are the things that I'm saying, y'all. I'm healing that inner being by speaking it out loud. So I want you to go back and see if you can heal that part of you of speaking it out loud and making it better for our community. Because I promise you... Once you begin to love all of you and know that those things that were said about you and those fingers that were pointed at you and those people who just talked bad and down and never had anything positive to say to you because of your color, know 
that you are none of those things. That was their insecurities. That was their thoughts. That was their own self-hatred that has been indoctrinated into our people for hundreds and hundreds of years. That shit didn't happen overnight. That's why grandmas is telling people put on bleaching cream. Or if you're light-skinned, they scrubbing your knees, making sure they don't get too dark. Don't get it twisted. The lighter than the paper bag test. It was all for protection from what? It wasn't protection from each other. It was protection from a supremacy system who said you're no good, but we'll accept this one, but we won't accept that one. You can't come in the front door of the cotton club, but your light-skinned ass can work here. And you can't come in and you can't work in the cotton club, but you can wash the dishes in the back, boy. Still the same thing. We are the same to them. When are we going to realize we are the same to each other? We are family. And those of us who are part of the soul tribe who can see who we are supposed to be and who we can be and who are moving forward to that. Because we have some of our people, y'all, who will never see. They will always hate themselves and they will be here to bring down those who love themselves and who are here to uplift. They will always have something negative to say. But healing that inner child with inside of you that made you know that you are not worthy because of your color and that colorism, as they call it, and as we call it, because they color struck. Y'all know we say it all the time. She color struck. She color struck. She don't like nobody light skin. I know color struck on both sides. I got two sides of family. I know some people on one side of family, they can't stand shit light skin and they light skin. I know some people on another side of family can't stand shit dark skin and they dark skin. That's the point. You understand me? We are a people of misnomers and misguidance and mental conditioning on so many levels that we don't realize affects us on an everyday level. Who are we, soul tribe? Who are we, family? What are our origins? Do we know? Or are we just going to go off all the narratives that the oppressors and mental conditioning has given to us? Huh? Think about that. Because I want y'all to know I love you. I love y'all so much. That's why I'm here sharing the insides of myself and my deepest, darkest parts of me with the world and the universe. I want all those who want to be better to hear the sound of my voice and to ask themselves the most difficult questions they could ever ask themselves so they can get the answers and move past that and heal. I want us all to lift up in voice and not just sing, but ring and blow this mother. And what I mean by that is this. Stand up. No one can push you if you stand up. And like I say, all this sign shaking and shit and marching. If that's what you feel you need to do, go ahead. But I ain't out there shaking signs. I'm talking shit, and people are saying to me, girl, you cuss a lot. Yes, the fuck I do. 
And remember when they taught us, if you use curse words, you're not that intelligent. Well, I'm highly intelligent and extremely intelligent. And I am a formidable adversary. And I can say fuck if I choose to. Because that's how I feel. I need us to start speaking about how we feel. I don't know what this is with this... They don't want people to be sad. We don't want the kids to be sad. We don't want the kids to be. You want kids to be emotionless. And that can't happen. Because you can't grow without emotion. It creates a society of robots or sociopaths or both. Plain and simple. And I love y'all so much to let y'all know that you are worthy. Do you believe in you? Or do you believe what everyone is telling you you are? Do you believe you are worthy? Or do you believe all the negative connotations and all the negative things that have happened in your life are deserved of you? Now, I don't know about nobody else. I'm just telling you about me. And I love giving love and I don't love drama. I love being with people. I love laughing. I love teaching. I love growing. I love exploring the universe. I love praying to my most high creator. I love sending out positive energy and positive vibrations to those who are well-deserved. I love seeing people. And I love when people see me. I love loyalty. I love kindness. But what I also love is truth. And once again, truth hurts sometimes. But truth will always set you free. And a lie don't care who tell it. That's what my grandma told me. A lie don't care who tell it. And the truth will always set you free. So I choose to be the best me that I can be and live on the side of truth. And I ask myself the difficult questions in life because in this next 55 years of my life because my family has a long lineage so I expect and I see myself being well over in my 100s in this next journey of my life I'm putting away that little girl who was intimidated because everybody called me the fat kid and this and that and you gonna be fat like your grandma look at you you gonna be this I was teased a lot growing up and I, I attribute that part to you know, being the different-looking kid in the family of darker children. I was teased quite a bit. I was teased for being fat, but never about my color. But I was picked on a lot in school about my color and being the fat kid and this and that and that and this. Eighth grade, I was bullied so much I skipped 56 days of school. And when my mother found out, <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation. But I never told her why. And she never asked me why. I don't know if she thought I was just messing around or whatever, but I skipped 56 days of school in the eighth grade. And when my mother would go to work, I would go back home and go to sleep because my father had a different shift coming from General Motors, so he would come straight in and go to bed, you know. And then when it was time for me to get out of school, I would sneak downstairs and come in through the back door. And my dad would be like, oh, Cause we had bells hanging on the back door. The bus dropped you off early. Mm-hmm. And I go straight upstairs back to my room. Because I was just bullied and brutalized and just, oh, my God, there was these group of girls who just bullied me and bullied me. And I think I'm all that and I stank and this and that, which I did not. Okay. Just would say anything. 
and the teachers would allow it in middle school. Girls, we are terrible when we hate ourselves and don't know who we are. And we don't need another generation of women like that. So that's another reason why I'm here speaking truth. Because let me tell you something. A lot of that stuck with me for a very long time that my first marriage and the second marriage here, I never dated anyone who made reference to my skin tone. I'm going to say it again. And you might be like, well, what do you mean? Well, when you're a fair-skinned sister, somebody always calling you out your name. A fine-ass yellow hammer, motherfucking red bone. Mm, I like me some red bones, some yellow hammers. Brothers, you don't know how to be respectful. That's not a respectful thing to say. And I don't know who the fuck taught you that, but they need to be smacked. Because those were fighting words for me. So any man who ever tried to date me, or want to go out or have a one night stand or what the fuck ever. You know what it is in college. You know. If they made reference to my skin tone and my color and my shade or my curly hair. No sir. Not interested. And then that other side of me came out. Bitch move. Get on. So my first marriage. That person never made reference to my skin tone or my color the whole time we were married. And in this marriage. My wife never makes any of that either. She sees more than just that. Because with her, she's a nice chocolate brown with curly hair. And people say, oh, you must be mixed with something. Well, why would you think she's mixed with something? She too dark to have hair like that. Oh, shit, here we go. This hair and this colorism, y'all. So I want you to know, we got to get over that. And y'all going to start noticing that. Say to yourself if you say that in your head. Because, oh, look her. She got some pretty hair. She got good hair. Because the, the thought will creep in from your childhood. I wish I had hair like that. Or look at her. Or, mm, why he with that old dark woman? You know? And you're dark yourself. Because she's beautiful and he sees her, not her color. You know, the essence of melanin is something great. You know, the way our hips move, the way our body shakes, the way our lips are formed, the essence and sensuality of a melanated woman cannot be touched by anything in the universe. And I am so honored and grateful and thankful to represent being a melanated woman. And I wouldn't be anything else or want to be. Because I've never had the problem that I wanted to be white. That has never been me. I've always wanted to be the darkest sister on the planet. But I never wanted to be white. Some of us have that issue. It's all still colorism. So once again, family, who are we, Soul Tribe? Who are we, family? What are our origins? Do we know? Or are we just going off of the narratives that the oppressive and mental conditioning states have given to us? I need us to think about that because I love you. I love me. I love us. And I want to see us free mentally. You know, we talk about freedom and don't even know what that is because we still hate ourselves consciously and unconsciously. We set ourselves up for an image that is just not us. And that's okay because our image is the most beautiful thing that the Most High Creator created. And not saying that some other image is ugly. But beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And in my eye, 
melanin drives me crazy. I love it. I love my melanin. I love my hips. I love my hair. I love my eyes. I love my skin. I love the skin that I'm in. Can you? Let's heal, family. Let's heal, all right? Well, guys, I thank you so much for being here with me this evening. I want to thank you, Most High Creator, for guiding my words and guiding my heart and guiding my spirit. And I hope that I have touched someone. I hope that I have made you think. I hope that I have helped you touch a part of you that you've run away from and you want to heal. I hope that I have helped someone heal today. But most of all, most of all, guys, most of all in this journey, I give you love and I hope that you know that you are worthy. All right, guys, thank you once again for tuning in to Let's Speak It Out Loud, the podcast for the copper-colored indigenous aboriginal people of higher vibrations having insightful conversations. Peace, love, blessings, family. Have a great evening. Peace.